This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax with She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And after a week hiatus where one of us was on the COVID reserve list. We are back in action and ready um, to talk about everything that we missed. So not too much, I guess, has happened in the Packers world since last week. We got the Packers schedule release, which is what we're going to talk about primarily today. Jair Alexander signed his contract extension to keep him in Green Bay for a very long time. And then we have OTA starting this week. Yeah, right. So, Perry, I'm sure the schedule was fun and all, but the giant news is what you were really waiting for. I feel like I breathed a huge sigh. It's not that I thought it wouldn't happen, but I'm so glad it happened so far ahead of the season. I I know that that's the Packers thing to do is not, like, have distractions. So, again, I'm not too surprised, but he got – a really, really, really good deal. Obviously became highest paid corner in the league in history. Um, Well-deserved. He is a monster. You want him in Green Bay. You want to build your defense around a guy like Jair. And I cannot wait for the bounce back comeback season now that he's making 20 plus million dollars a year. He's going to bring that swag. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things that the, the secondary talked about a lot in the OTA interviews was just, look, we were pretty dominant last season when Jair was injured. So now you're bringing him back thinking and knowing that he'll return to his all pro level. Stokes is going to be in his second year with the defense. You've got Savage and Amos, obviously Russell Douglas coming back. A scary secondary from last season is about to get a lot scarier with their all pro back on the field and locked up for a very long time. The thing that I keep thinking about too, is that Jair worked his ass off to get back for that playoff game. And while he wasn't hundred percent healthy, the Packers wouldn't have trotted him out if they didn't think he could play, which means he's now so far past his rehab and is probably in such good shape for the start of this season that I'm not worried at all about him coming back in his like full form. Now, obviously those live reps, he's going to need to like feel those again, but as a pro, you know, who's about to enter his second contract, I don't think that'll be such an, you know, too much of an issue. And obviously he doesn't think so since he's not at OTAs. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that was so special about it when it happened was just Matt LaFleur was there. Joe Barry was there. Like, and I know players loved Mike Patton, obviously Zadarius Smith went to the Vikings to be with Mike Smith and Mike Patton, but I, I can't remember a time where a, defensive coordinator has come in and made like this much of an immediate impact with the players. Like it feels like the players love Joe Barry so much. And for guys like Kenny Clark that just got paid, Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, Jair, these are all guys that are like, wait, yes, I would like to come stick around with him. With this guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, I can't wait. It's going to be like definition snowfly zone. Um, I feel like the Packers really invested and people might, you know, make some comments about the Devonta Adams situation. I think that's like a completely separate, um, a completely separate scenario, but I think the Packers have really, really clearly invested in a players that they felt like were keys to the defense last year that they wanted to retain like Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas, no matter where you drafted, when you came in, like all it matters is what you contributed on the field, obviously investing in their first round pick. Goot's very, very first pick ever as GM is now staying in Green Bay for the foreseeable future. Um, and then of course, investing in draft capital in that defense. I mean, I think that defense is going to be really something special if Barry can kind of build off of last season. Yeah. And for as much as we talk about, you know, like the misses that have happened in the late Ted Thompson era or like the, the Brian Gutekunst era, even though it's still relatively young, like the Josh Jackson pick and the Jay Sternberger pick as much as, you know, there, there are those random, you know, misses that you can point to the Packers pay their guys and they invest really heavily in their guys. Rashawn Gary is going to be the next example of somebody getting a huge second contract. And it's rare, you know, we go back to that Mark Murphy interview with Tom Grassi. The third contract is the one that's pretty rare, but the Packers right. historically always take care of their players. And these huge second contracts just show, one, how good the Packers are at drafting talent, and then, two, that they're creating a culture where their guys know that they're going to get taken care of. You know, Jair obviously is talented enough to be the highest-paid corner, highest corner in the league, but the Packers, you know, rewarded him for that, just like they wanted to reward Devontae and he chose to go elsewhere. So I do think it just is a real testament to the Packers front office and the way that they manage kind of the culture of the players in that locker room. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, you know, it, it also kind of goes to show like how much they value their draft and develop philosophy because these are homegrown guys. Yes. Again, they, I think Goot has expanded on the free agency feel within that front office of really bringing in some potential flyers or top end talent, but they invest in their guys from draft through contract. Like if you prove yourself on your rookie deal, it is a really, really high probability that the Packers are going to retain you. Now, obviously, of course, there's always examples. And unfortunately, you can't pay everyone. But I think it's a good problem that the Packers have that they actually kind of need to pick and choose. But more often than not, they're going to bring back as many of their homegrown guys as they possibly can. Yeah, exactly. And why wouldn't you? Because we've seen the flip side of that where there's teams that you know, are consistently drafting high and then are unable to pay for some of these guys by going all in at other positions. So do you want to talk about the schedule? Because I don't know, first impression for me of the schedule was that I was not a huge fan of it, I guess. I but feel like very indifferent towards the schedule, to be honest with you. It's a good I think way to put it. The late buy, I don't love. Matt LaFleur loves, so fine, coach. If you like the late <laughs> buy, that's great. Like if you want like that rest for the home stretch, obviously expecting the Packers to be in the playoffs, that's great. Um, they have, you know, I don't, you and I, I think, agree on this. Like, I just really don't enjoy the season opener, the home opener, and then the season close two games being division. I just, like, think that's so boring, um, especially, I think, because if there's a different division, maybe those are, you know, you're fighting to see who's the division winner. But for the NFC North, like, they just end up being like kind of boring games for the Packers. There's a decent stretch where they're on the road for a bit. 
the only game that jumps out at me, I guess there's two games that jump out at me that are going to be potentially, you know, really interesting and fun or just like playoff telling are Packers bills on October 30th and Rams Packers in December. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I absolutely hate the opening against the Vikings and the Bears and the closing with two division games. I think it's really interesting. Obviously, Bruce Arians retired, um, still with the Bucks, but not coaching. So the first three weeks of this schedule are against brand new head coaches. Hmm. And I don't know, you know what that does for a game plan. Obviously, we saw Matt LaFleur in his first game with the Packers go to Chicago and beat the Bears in that real barn burner of a low-scoring game. But I do think that it's it's hard to get a sense when you're in the division, you know, what these teams are going to look like. I always prefer to see them crop up like week six and later where the teams yeah. have like found their footing because I think a lot is really fluky in the beginning of the season. And that can be a good thing, I guess, if you're trying to steal a win, but it also can be kind of detrimental to not fully knowing what a team is going to look like before you play them again. Yep. I totally agree. Um, I guess I am a little curious to see, you know, Mac Jones in year two, right. Mm -hmm. We're going to get another Mac Jones game in Lambeau. That'll be fun. Um, Packers play their first game in London, which to be honest, I could do without um, because I don't love that amount of travel for them. The rest of it, yeah, it's just, it's fine. I mean, schedulers love to have the Packers end with the majority of their games at home. Love that for them. That's always an advantage when you're getting um, teams up to Lambeau. We get another, like, late-season Titans game. Hope it snows. Hope A.J. Dillon runs for another 105 (laughs) yards. Um, Of course, in December, they go to the Dolphins instead of the Dolphin coming to them. But, um, yeah, I just think it's... It's hard to gauge the schedule when I don't know what each team is going to look like. And the Packers are definitely playing some teams that have had so many changes, like you said, whether it's new head coach or, you know, the Eagles where Jalen, this is really like a prove it year for Jalen Hurts and they have a bunch of new weapons. Obviously, people are saying the Bills are the Super Bowl favorites for this year. Like there's a lot of like just a lot that could shift as over the course of the season. And um, it's definitely going to be a test for them. Yeah, I know that you are planning your trip to Lambeau uh, for the Jets game. That is the one game that I'm going to try to get to this season. We'll see if pregnant Maggie wants to take on uh, 45 <laughs> sets of stairs to get up to my to my seats. But that is the game I have circled on the calendar. I just love the uncommon opponents when they come to Lambeau, right? It happens like once every eight years. So yeah. anytime that we can see teams come to Lambeau that aren't traditionally there, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I've actually done a a Packers-Jets game. I've also mm -hmm. done a Packers-Giants game, naturally, because I go see them whenever they're in New York. So it's funny that we're choosing to do that one. But um, hopefully Papa Goldstein gets his first trip to Lambeau this season. Yeah, that would be awesome. If, you know, I wasn't with child, I would absolutely Mm -hmm. be at the Buffalo Bills game with you. Um, We talked about this a little bit already. That's that's one of my complaints about the schedule. I'm very excited for that game. I think it's going to be... It could be a Super Bowl preview. Honestly, it's going to be one of the best games of the regular regular season. But the Dolphins on Christmas is just so weird to me. Like, I guess Christmas in Florida is kind of like funny. Packers having two Christmas games in a row. But I kind of wish it was the Bills. Just from like a two snowy, cold weather, like blue collar fan bases would be a ton of fun. I was expecting that, to be honest with you. Um, do you love that the Rams come to Lambeau when it's cold? That makes me happy. 
Um, yeah, but I don't have much else to say about it other than that it should be interesting. And then um, I don't know if you and I will be making any of the preseason games, but the Packers do play the Niners, the Saints, and the Chiefs. Yep, Saints will be the only one at Lambeau, so we'll see what that looks like. Matt LaFleur did say um, in the opener of or his opening presser for OTAs that they will have joint practices with the Saints, mm-hmm. as they've done now the last couple of seasons, which, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you maybe don't love it. But I know uh, Matt LaFleur loves to really do that for the rookies and giving them, you know, kind of that battle-tested practice without – you know, going up against guys on your own team. So maybe let's segue into OTAs just a little bit. I know that they're going to be going on for the next couple of weeks on and off. Obviously, of course, the the quote unquote big news was that Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. That's not surprising. He's never there. <laughs> I don't think he needs to be after winning back-to-back MVPs. Not concerned about that. But anything that you're like hearing from OTAs, players maybe you're really interested in hearing more about as OTAs kind of kick off. Yeah. So, I mean, just going off of what you just said, obviously Rogers not being there is really nothing to write home about. He doesn't need the reps. Um, he's preparing for the match. So he's obviously working out. Um, <laughs> you, I think the one thing you could say is a couple of rookie receivers would love to have the extra time, but I actually think that it is probably really nice for these rookie receivers and all the rookies in general, honestly, to get used to the playbook, get used to what it is to work out at an NFL level to get used to being coached by Matt LaFleur, et cetera, um, without this, you know, QB one intimidate, you know, Aaron Rodgers being there. Um, he's going to absolutely like heighten the pressure. Um, so it gives them, I think some breathing room to get used to, you know, everything that comes with being part of an NFL team. Uh, then you have also not at OTAs, Sammy Watkins, Lazard, who hasn't signed his tender yet, by the way, um, just something to note. I don't think I'm not sure it means anything, but he hasn't signed it. Um, Jair is not there. Rasul Douglas, Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin, Randy Ramsey, Mercedes Lewis, and Preston Smith. Again, none of those really scream that. That's wild to me. Like you, if you follow Rashawn Gary on any kind of social media, you see that he's working out um, privately. Um, then you, of course, have Kylan Hill, Bakhtiari, Jenkins. Big Bob and Dean Lowry that are working out in the rehab area. So the majority of the team is there. No sit outs that really like concern or surprise me. Um, What I'm looking at obviously and following is just what the rookie receivers look like. Um, And of course, how everybody's rehabbing. I saw a couple videos of Tunyon and Elton Jenkins kind of doing their, their workouts and they look pretty good and you just hope they can get them back as soon as possible. Yeah, I always like watching kind of what the reports are coming out of Packers.com because I think that they're almost more tuned in to the the roster than really anybody else can be. You know, I know it's open to the media for some practice, but I always find that the players that they're focused on or writing their stories on are the players that you should keep like an under-the-radar eye on. And so far, the two big names that have jumped out of this kind of first series of OTAs is TJ Slayton which is really exciting from a defensive line perspective, um, how good he already is looking in year two. And then Tyler Davis, the tight end, getting a lot of love. Yeah, he's gotten a lot of love. And I I think that is kind of an indicator, just that position group, we talked about it going into the draft, speculating whether or not the Packers would bring in a tight end. It's really up for grabs. Obviously, you have Tunyon and you have Mercedes Lewis and Josiah DeGuara, assuming would be the third. But at fourth spot, it doesn't really belong to anybody at this point. So... 
you know, could be a spot for Tyler Davis to latch onto the roster. Definitely. I mean, he seems to be getting a lot of love, not just from like media, but from the coaches themselves too. You know, LaFleur really likes him and Rogers even targeted him in a couple of games last season. So I would not be surprised if he got more reps, especially while we're waiting for Tunyon to come back. Um, I think another thing that I'm looking at is just how do the rookies from last season take that next jump in year two? Um, you kind of have a full season under your belt. Do you, are you carrying yourself a little bit differently? Are you going to be a little bit more of a leader when it comes to, you know, bringing the the new rookies into the rooms that they're in? Are you going to take that next step in terms of your play on the field? Like just kind of thinking like about Eric Stokes, right? He had such a phenomenal rookie season. I think by all accounts, you can say his rookie season was an absolute success. And, but of course there's always things for him to improve upon. Um, I think namely like, ball skills and maybe like grabbing some more of those interceptions that he let slip through his fingers. And so, you know, what does he look like out there, especially since he's getting like CB one reps without Jair and Rasul. Yeah. Another name that has come up quite a bit in the OTA is actually Amari Rogers. I think it was Jason Vrabel that mentioned it, but he said that even Randall Cobb came up to him and was just like, something is different about Amari. There's like a quiet confidence that he didn't have his rookie season where he looks leaner, his hands are better. He's more confident in his abilities to go out there. And I think that's, you know, kind of tying into what you already said about the players making that second year jump. And especially in this wide receiver room that obviously there's rookie competition, but a lot of those spots are going to be wide open beyond Lazard and Cobb. Even Sammy Watkins, you could argue, isn't necessarily a lock to make the roster at this point. So seeing what happens with Amari Rogers. I totally agree with that. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he can do. He has a full opportunity that he can take advantage of. I don't know. Maybe fatherhood agrees with him. Um, <laughs> could be something like that. Um, I, we don't have to, to keep this much longer. I know it's the off season, but I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to Rich Passaccia at all, but he is hysterical. And, like, even just the things he says and, like, the way that he's being reported, he's scary. Like, if special teams doesn't do a complete 180, I'm going to be baffled. Not that I'm expecting them to come out and be, like, the best unit in the league, but because he doesn't even call it special teams. Yeah, he calls it we fence. And his whole, like, mantra for special teams is, are you going to go out there and do something special or are you just going to try and give the ball back to the offense? Like if you're not going out there every single play trying to do something special with your opportunity on special teams, what do you like then you don't deserve to play teams. So just the, and he like that. all of the media has that's been there has been reporting that he is like getting on guys like even if they don't break the huddle like with enough energy, he gets after them. So just it, it I'm I want to go to OTAs just to watch him coach, I think. Wow. I love, I mean, good. Like that's what this backer special teams unit needs. They need some juice. They need someone who's going to light a fire under their ass and say like you, and he's right. Use this as an opportunity. Show it off. I mean, think about what everyone was talking about last season with Corderell Patterson. He's just a kick returner. Like you can change the entire game for your team in one play on special teams and Packers should take it seriously. Yeah, I mean, I I literally am trying to think of the last time that special teams made, you know, I was going to say lost or won a game for the Packers, and that's, of course, the divisional round. But what I was going to try and say was made like an actual game-changing play in the positive. And I think it might be the Browns game from, what was that, 2017, when Trevor Davis returned, the, when Trevor Davis returned a punt, like, 
to the 40 yard line or something in Cleveland. I think a couple of seasons ago, there was a blocked kickoff or a block, oh, sorry, a blocked punt. I think it was Josh Jackson. Yeah. And Geronimo. It was the two yeah. of them. But like, think about that. I, Josh Jackson <laughs> and Geronimo like Allison. Yeah. Like, that's, it's been a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think that was 2018. So the fact that we had to go back that far into the recesses of our brain just shows you that special teams is a work in progress. But I think, you know, everything as a whole is in really good hands. Even the new coaches, you know, their pressers have all been really good. So it's exciting. A lot of fun things happening. I know. So is there anything as we're kind of like, we're, 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 we're getting closer on like actual football stuff. I cannot wait. Right. We've got real, I think mandatory mini cam starts June. I want to say seventh, somewhere around there. So it's coming up soon. It's very soon. Um, it's two weeks from now. Rogers will be there. Everyone will be there. Everyone will be reporting. What's like one thing in this off season, not to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious that like you hope to see, or you want to hear, or you're just like looking for from this team. I guess I just, and I think it's everyone's biggest question. So it's probably cheating, but I want to see what this offense looks like without Devonte Adams. And I know that, you know, the Packers are winning without him historically. They've done that. But it's almost been, like, out of necessity. Like, Rodgers has had to spread the ball around because he didn't have a choice. So I'm I'm curious if he's able to do that, like, retrain his brain, knowing that Devontae's not there, or if he will target guys like Lazard and Cobb significantly more because he just – I want to see how he builds rapport with the young guys, I guess, and see, like, what kind of role they're going to have, even in preseason with, like, Jordan Love. I want to see them acclimate into the offense. Yep. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I personally don't think Rodgers is going to have a problem. Rodgers elevates the play of everybody around him. But it will be, of course, interesting to see him without his number one guy for a full season, not just like a stretch of games where, you know, he's had to, like you said, the kind of make do with it. I think my thing is everyone around the league has been kind of saying, well, Green Bay is obviously going to be a run heavy offense now. And I'm like, why? Why? because they don't have Devontae Adams, because I don't actually think I subscribe to that. And I am definitely curious to see what kind of balance LaFleur does have. I think it's going to stay the way it's been, right? I don't think it's going to change. I think he's obviously going to lean on A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones because they're playmakers, but I don't think all that the Packers are going to all of a sudden become like a power run scheme team. I agree. And I mean, do I think that the Packers will have a 1000 yard receiver? Maybe not. And I think that's honestly, okay. I could see them having five, 500 plus, you know, pass catchers, whether AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are included in that Tunyon, you know, I think the ball is going to get spread around enough. And I don't think that they're going to need one person on offense to be the guy. Would it be really cool if Christian Watson is the guy and puts up like 1200 yards and eight touchdowns? Of course that would be really cool. But if Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs all have 600 yards and like four touchdowns and the Packers go 13 and four, is anybody going to care? No. (laughs) no. Because if anything, it makes you more dynamic because you have to account for four guys versus just accounting for your one. Um, But let's hope for Christian Watson being the next Justin Jefferson. Couldn't hurt. Couldn't hurt. (laughs) Couldn't hurt. Couldn't hurt. (laughs) 
All yeah. right. I think that that'll about do it for this week of Packs What She Said. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram at Packs What She Said. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Thanks again for listening, and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.